Yeah. I'll send it to you. Okay, so Purim, Purim for, for a woman is probably just completely different than it is for a man. I mean, I've never tried it before, but, um, and it's, it's not a yomtiv, a real yomtiv, do malacha, so you're just as busy as you are any other day, probably busier, shalachmanas um, and taking care of the kids. And while men seem to, you know, be able to enter this other world, so women are kind of stuck in the same world plus other stuff. And um, I don't know. I just I never really thought about it so much, but it must it must not be as enjoyable. And interestingly, more like it, a woman is not mechayiv to sit in a sukkah, and she doesn't have to shake a little vinesrik. But on Purim, because this the, women were very much a part of, I mean, the Megillus Esther, I mean, women were very much a part of what was going on. So they are just as mechoyev, just as required to fulfill all the mitzvahs as men are. In fact, that's a very interesting halacha um, from uh, Shmuel Kamenetsky that he says that women should drink a uh, of grape juice. It's like wine. They could drink a Revius of wine if they wanted. No. It's not this big. It's what we tell our kids. If you get drunk, don't drink too much. But it's not even sugar. Right. Well, I don't know. Because, I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. You're probably not dying to have like a whole Revius of wine. Maybe you are. Okay, fine. Maybe it makes the outcome go a little better. Right. No, he sa- I mean, he yeah. just says, he just, I mean, does yeah. he say grape juice? I think he says yayin, and he says, and grape juice is fine. He says yayin. He says yayin. I, I never heard this. Okay, yeah. But it makes a lot of sense. I mean, he just says that, like, they're, they, they're just as required in all the mitzvahs as men, so why shouldn't they have that mitzvah? Because so getting... too much women Right, so he says, I mean, I think that's why he went to the grape juice route, because he, they shouldn't get drunk, but they, they should drink. Wine, or you know, or something like that, to, to be yotzi the mitzvah. So, so it looks. I mean, it's, it definitely seems to me, and I can tell by your faces that maybe I probably hit it on the head. That um, the that Purim is just doesn't feel the same. <clears throat> but um, while the focus of many many a Purim is on the suuda and the associated. Uh, good times, there are many layers to Purim. There are many aspects of it. So th- there, there are some other things that perhaps um, women have more of an ability to get into than men do because men are so busy with the other stuff. So there's, there, at the very end of the Megillah, it describes how Mordechai and Esther sent out to, um, to, to all the Yehudim, all over the 127 Medinos of the, of the kingdom of Ahasuerus, um, the to, to keep the days of Purim, just as they had accepted upon themselves. So basically, you know, we have these mitzvahs, we have the day of Purim, it's all set up for us. This is at the very end of Perak Tess. 
Um, and so he says also, divrei hatzomos v'zeakosom. The um, the matter of the fasts and their lamentations. So part of what Mordechai and Esther sent to everybody as a, as as like a you know this is what Purim is all about are the matter of the fasts and the zakasam the, the the outcries the lamentation that they that they did to Akharish Baruch Hu. Now when we talk about fasts we are not talking about Tanis Esther. Tanis Esther has nothing to do with um, bad times or bad things. This is like the one fast that really has nothing to do with stuff that's bad. We fast on Tanis Esther because the, when the Jewish people went to war, they would fast during war. That's how they, that, that's what they did. So Tanis Esther, the day before Purim, was the day that they fought. So everybody was fasting, so we also fast. So it's not really about all the fasting and davening that took place during, you know, during the, the stir of the Megillah. That's something else. What this is referring to is that the content of those fast days and the, and the associated tefillos and outcryings to Hashem, that was part of the Mesorah that was given over from Mordechai and Esther and sent out to all the different people around uh, of, of Klal Yisrael in, the, in, in all of the Medinosa and all of the, the, the places in Malchus Achashverosh. So what this means is that we are supposed to learn from their tefillah and from their fasting and their crying out to Hashem, we're supposed to learn things and apply them to ourselves in general and certainly on Purim. So, there are a few things that um, Mepharshim point out, the Vilnagon mainly, uh, that we can really take away from the, uh, what happened in the story of the Megillah. So let's start with point number one. <clears throat> when Mordechai finds out what's going on, and Mordechai Yodas Kalashanasa, Right, that that Achishverosh had basically just sold the Jews down the river to Haman. Whatever you want, you could do with them, and Haman is going to destroy them. So it says Mordechai understood everything that was going on. So what does he do? So he goes and he dresses up in sackcloth and puts ashes on his head, and he sits by the by the you know sits by the by the palace gates, and he gets a messenger to send a message to Esther, that Esther, now's the time. You've got to go to Achishverosh. Messenger comes back to Mordechai and says, Esther says she hasn't been called to the king in a long time. Mordechai sends the messenger back to Esther. Listen, uh, now's the time. You've got to take care of this now. Esther sends back to Mordechai, like, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if, this is, if, if, I should, if I should do this or I should not do this. And sends him, maybe sends him clothes, like, you know, get dressed. Let's come up and talk about it. He says, no, forget the clothes. Go back to her and tell her she's got she's to do this. She has to go right now, so we'll take the next. And then Esther sends back with the messenger. Okay, so for three days, you know, we'll, we're going to fast, and then we're going to go. Okay, so there's a very big question over here that Devil Nagon asks. He says, Mordechai is giving instructions to Esther. He's asking her to put her life completely and totally on the line. 
she is very unsure if this is the right thing to do. She is, a couple of times, questions. Like, really, like, this is what's supposed to happen right now. I don't know. I'm not in good favor with him right now. May not be the best time. Direct communication is the best way to go. The, the, this game of telephone that they're playing with a messenger between them seems absurd. I mean, this is the most important... This is the, the Jewish people, their existence is contingent on Esther carrying out this mission properly, doing exactly what Mordechai says. So if you want to convey to someone what their mission is, if you want to talk to them, put on the clothes, get up into the palace, sit down with Esther, and reassure her, tell her exactly how to do it, what to do, it'll be okay, I'm telling you, this is the time, I can feel it, I can tell. But the, what is with the messenger service going back and forth between the two of them? Why, what is going on? Why would they not communicate directly? The Villagon explains <clears throat> that Mordechai understood something about tefillah and about what was necessary at the time, at this, at this moment, that we have, to, we have to learn from him. He says that Mordechai, Yoda, Mordechai knew everything that was going on. Mordechai knew that the reason HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent Haman and gave Haman permission to destroy us is because the Jewish people had gone to the party of Achashverosh and they had moved away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Hashem wanted the Jewish people to come back to him. So, what's going to bring the Jewish people, what is bringing the Jewish people back to him? Tefillah is. When Mordechai goes and he puts on the sackcloth and ashes, and he sits down and he's crying and davening to Hashem, that's not a means to an end. That is the point. If everybody would do that, if everybody would come close to Hashem through tefillah, then the whole problem that the Jewish people had created for themselves would have been solved, and now we're close to Hashem. Mordechai understands this, and he understands that the purpose of Hashem bringing a tzorah, bringing a calamity upon Klal Yisrael, was so that we should draw close to Hashem. Mordechai knew that his connection to Hashem as being the leader of the Jewish people was so vital and important for repairing that rift that had formed between the Jewish people and Hashem that nothing else mattered. There was no reason to break that connection to Hashem in order to do hishtablis. We have an outlook on life, which we think, of, we think like this. I have to get something accomplished. How do I do it? I have to make a hishtadlis. So I have, to, I have to work, I have to make a business deal, I have to do whatever I do to make a hishtadlis to see something through. Then what do I do? Then, once I do what I gotta do, so then I'll open up my tehillim and say some tehillim to, 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 you know, to kind of push my hishtadlis along. Okay, now maybe my actions will come to fruition because I'm davening for it. Mordechai said, no, it's the opposite. Do you know what's primary? What's primary is the tefillah. 
at a time of tsar of Klai Yisrael, when Klai Yisrael is in danger, and the reason they're in danger is because we've come away from Hashem, what's primary is that I become close to Hashem. What's secondary is that some sort of hishtadlos has to be done. Some sort of, yeah, we got to do, we live in this world, we have to do some sort of physical uh, means of, of uh, you know, making sure the problem gets rectified. Therefore, that has to be done. But if you want to know what's primary, what's primary is the tefillah. So Mordechai is offered clothing by Esther, and he says, no, I can't stop what I'm doing right now. If I break it, if I break my connection to Hashem by getting dressed in the clothes and coming up and sitting down with Esther in the palace, if I break my concentration, if I break my tefillah, then all will be lost. I can shoot off some quick instructions, but to go and undo his entire mindset and physical way that in which he was fasting and sitting there with sackcloth and ashes, to undo that would be ruining everything. So Mordechai is showing us something about how to look at a shast tzara, a time of calamity, danger for Klal Yisrael. It's not that we need to do something, it's that we need to daven. We need to get close to Hashem. After that, we could do something. Someone else can do something. But right now, what, what's necessary is coming close to Hashem. There's more that we see from Mordechai. <clears throat> the, the story, so, story continues, and eventually, Mordechai actually does get out of his sackcloth. What happens is, is that we all know Haman shows up at the king's house at night, and Achishverosh had just heard about Mordechai, saved him from Bigson and Seresh, and he decided, okay, have I ever rewarded him? I haven't. So he asks someone, what should be done to a man who the king wishes to honor? And we get the whole spiel about put him on the horse and put him, dress him in the fancy clothes, etc., etc. So then the king says, okay, Haman, do that to Mordechai. So we find uh, a hole in the Gemara. It really expands the story. It's funny, like these children's tapes that have like this whole, all this witty repartee, that's really Gemara. It's, it's all back and forth in the Gemara. Right, but it, but it is the Gemara. It's not like these guys made it up. Right. It's funny that the Gemaras about, about, about Miguel and Sester, are, they're funny. They're, it's funny stuff. I mean, it's like, it's really like... So, story is, so, so um, part, of, part of what goes on over there is that uh, Haman, uh, you know, so Mordechai gets dressed up in the royal clothes and he's got to get up on the horse. So Haman's like, new up on the horse. He says, I can't, I just I don't have the courage to do it. I've been fasting all this time. So, you know, Haman says, well, what should I do? He says, well, maybe if it bent down, I'd be able to step on you and I'd be able to get onto the horse. So, um, Haman says, okay, and he bows over. And um, as he bows over, so Mordechai steps on him and he says, Pasuk v'at al-bamos al-bamos sinusidroch, that you're going to walk on their bamos, on, the, on their the, the offering, the, the mizbeachs, that they give offerings to the... And he also gives him a little kick at the same time. As he's going up, Mordechai, by mistake, kicks him. At which point, Haman's like, hey, you're not allowed to do that. You're not supposed to bin tismach, don't laugh at the downfall of your enemies. So Mordechai says, you know something, not with you. It doesn't apply, um, it doesn't apply with you. So at, at, 
what happens after this story? I mean, this story is the turning point of the Megillah. Everything has turned. When Haman goes back home, Zeresh basically tells him, listen, when something like this goes on, Nuffle people, you're doomed. I mean, you're, you're falling and you're falling fast and nothing's going to stop your fall. It's over. The Jewish people, when they saw Haman pulling Mordechai through the streets, it was such a morale boost for them. They went home saying to themselves, okay, HaKadosh Baruch Hu remembered us. He's going to save us. But the Medrash points out, what does Mordechai do when it's all over? Mordechai gets off the horse, takes off the clothes of the king, he puts back on his sackcloth and ashes, and starts fasting and davening all over again. And the Medrash says, there's a Medrash in Chumash, says, think about it for a second. It was over. It was, victory was in hand. So that's it, go home. It's, it's time to, you know, time to, to, to hang it up. It's, we're done. Mordechai understood again. The point of this whole thing was not to just get rid of Haman. That's a side thing that was going on so that Hashem would bring us closer to Hashem. So that the Jewish people would come close to Hashem. If at this point, Mordechai would stop davening, if he would break his connection to Hashem, that would be ruining the whole, the whole point over here. The primary point of the tzara was to bring the Jewish people closer to Hashem. Mordechai realized it to the point where even when things were looking up, even when it seemed like the tables had turned, Mordechai understood it's not that we davened in order to get the tables to turn, it's that we davened to get close to Hashem. The tables turned, that's great. But that doesn't mean that we stopped davening. We have to keep the connection to Hashem alive. So he is not, he's not stopping anything. It's the closeness to Hashem that's the point of everything. And therefore, he goes back and he continues davening. There's another point over here that comes from Esther that we see about feeling and, and having this close connection to Hashem. Esther, as much as she was in the palace of Ahasuerus, Esther was living in a different world. The, the Gemara describes a very weird thing. The Gemara describes how Esther had, I mean, we know the story. So Esther goes and she finally goes to the king and she thought she was gonna get killed. Ahasuerus probably thought she was gonna get killed also. Nace happens, Malach comes, you know, holds out the scepter, she's okay. She invites him to a party with Hama. They come to a party and she says, come to another party. And so they go to another party. And finally at that second party, she, she says, you know, he says, what is it? You know, what's the problem? So she says, you know, there was a, an Ish Sarva Oyev is out to get me and my people, right? This, this very evil person. And who is that person? So it's Haman. Haman, you know, and then everybody thinks, okay. So the Gemara says, that when she said, Ish Tsar Oyev, she pointed at Ahasuerus. And a Malach came and went like that and said, No, that guy. And then she said, Hama. So now, people choke under pressure. That happens. 
but this is this is very important. And you know, this is not just like some some uh, baseball game where somebody by mistake throws to the wrong base. Th this is you know you have to identify who is the evil person over here. Now, why of all things would you point at the person who could kill you? There's one person in the whole kingdom who can kill Esther, especially if she's chutzpahdik, especially if she's saying nasty things about the king, and it's the king. So she says, there's an ish tsar v'oyev. There's a person who's an oyev, who's an enemy. Who is it? And she's pointing at the person who she's asking to be her savior. Why would she do that? It's, it, 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 it's not like, the Gemara is not trying to point out that there was, you know, some kind of like uh, mistake or something like that going on. What, what is going on? Why, why would she do something like that? The Vilna Goyne explains this also. <clears throat> and he says that as much as Esther was at a party with Ahasuerus and Haman, and, you know, obviously not exactly the most spiritual moment of her life, she was in a different world. Her entire confidence and her ability to do what she did happened because she li was living in a different, in a different plane. She was living with the Shekhinah. The De Vilna Goyen says, uh, uh, just in a different place, he talks about how Esther comes to Ahasuerus. Ahasuerus sticks out the scepter. She has her moment. What do you want, Esther, to have the kingdom? So she goes and she says, come to a party. Then she's at a party. Esther, half the kingdom. What do you want? Another party. Third time. Esther, what do you want? Finally, she says, there's somebody trying to kill me. What's she waiting for? What's, what's happening? Why, why kill all that time? She had favor, she had obviously found favor in his eyes the other times as well. So what's, what's with the whole waiting game? What's she waiting for? Says the Vilna Goyen as follows. He says that Esther, we know, was walking, when she was walking to Ahasuerus, Mara describes how she was walking with the Shekhinah. And how as she approached the throne room of Ahasuerus, the Shekhinah departed. And that's the Pasuk, Keli, Keli, Lama Azavtani. Hashem, Hashem, why have you left me? That's in the, the, the Tehillim of Purim, the, that's Esther's capital. She's saying, Hashem, this is the moment. I need you right now. I'm only able to do this with the Shekhinah. Why are you pecking out on me? The answer is, says the guy, that Hashem pecked out because the throne room of Ahasuerus was full of idols. So as soon as the, it got to a place of Odazara, the Shekhinah packed off. Okay, so now, next, so she, she's on, uh, 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 come to a party, okay? I'll get you, not here, come to my place. No idols, I'll be able to have the Shekhinah with me there. Party number one comes, and Ahasuerus walks in, everything's okay. Haman walks in. What does Haman wear around his neck? Little idol. Wants everybody to bow down to Avodah Zarah. 
He walks in, Shechina packs out. Esther, on evasive maneuvers, is like, whatever, we'll try this again next time. Come back again, hoping that next time something will be different. In the meanwhile, there's the whole story with Haman leading Mordechai on the horse. Garbage gets dumped on his head. He goes home to change for the party. And the Pesukim say, Vayavhilu lahavias as Haman. And they came in there and they said, come on, let's go, we gotta go, move, move. So Haman runs, and what does he forget to put on? His idol. He comes back, party number two, he doesn't have that idol there. The Shechina's there. The Shechina's there? Well, if the Shechina's there, then she can do what she needs to do. Esther was working in con- total connection with the Shechina. When she's talking to Hamelech, in, uh, many Chazal say this, that the Hamelech that's being referred to throughout, Hashem's name is never found in the Megillah, but Hamelech, 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 referring to Hamelech, the king. So she is talking to Hamelech and she's davening. Ish tsar v'oyev. That person, Achashverosh, he's the ish tsar v'oyev. In her subconscious, in her real tefillahs, she's saying, Haman's important, Achashverosh is more important, and he signed on for this. So who's my, who's my enemy? Who's the main enemy? Who's the most powerful enemy? It's Achashverosh. So her finger is pointing to Achashverosh. Because while she's there, while she's doing what she's doing, even then, it's with connectedness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's all tefillah, what she, her words that are coming out to human beings as regular words, conversational words, they're really tefillahs to Hashem at the same time. So her finger points at Zachashverosh, and then the mouth is like, whoa, go there, because you're going to need his help. So that connectedness was something that Esther had had the whole time. The Vilna Gain at the very end of the Megillah talks about, so after Haman is hung, they still have to go and beg Achashverosh to rescind the decree. And he goes through a whole thing. There's a Pasuk that talks about, it says, Vatosef Esther. So this is how the Vilna Gaon looks at this Pasuk. It says, Vatosef Esther. Esther continued. This is referring to Psuket This is in Perik Ches Pasuk Gimel. Okay, Vatosef Esther. Esther continued. What's Tosef? What's a Hosef of the Tefillah? He says, that's Psuket That's the first part of Shachras. Then it says, Vatadaber Lefnei HaMelech. That's referring to Kriyashma, where it says Vaidaber Elokim, it's called Vam Ha'ilah. Um, so he makes a remez with that. Vatipolifne Raglov, that's referring to Berchas Kriyashma, he says. Then he says that um, the next word Vatefk, that's referring to Shmona Esrei. Then it says Vatishaninlo, that's the Tachanunin, those are the, the requests that a person makes at the end of Shmona Esrei. Then he says that uh, the next words are. Um, what were the next words? I just. Lahavir es Ra's Haman, the es Machshavta. Right? So he says, Ra's Haman refers to the badness of Haman, refers to the Lashon Hara that he said. He started by saying Lashon Hara about the Jewish people. Machshavta is his Machshava, all of his thoughts. That's at the very end, Elokai. 
battling Lashon Hara, and Machshavto is the Kalkal Machshavta. Anybody who wants to do that against me, be Makalko, undo the Machshava. Then it says, Vatakam Esther. Esther got up. That's getting up, saying Ashrei. And then, um, that it says, the next thing is, Vatamod. That's referring to the Uvalatzion, the Kedusha that's said in Uvalatzion. That is, so basically what he said, what, what the Vilnagon says, is that she stood in front of the king. She said words with her mouth to him, but in, inside, she went through the entire Shacharis. And that Shacharis was the, was the begging that she was really doing that broke, that ended up breaking the Gezerah. So what we see from Megillus Esther, and what we see from the story, is that there are so many important things about Koach HaTfilo, about the powers of our tefillah, the closeness that it creates, that Mordechai is unwilling to let it go, that it is the hishtadlus, that it's the means, it is, what is the most important thing a person can do when they're in trouble? It's not the actions and then you just follow it up with the tefillah. It's that you are mispalel and you follow it up with some actions. And we see that the whole nace of Purim happened through and because of these tefillos of, of Mordechai and Esther. The, the, on Purim, so the, the, the Mufarshim Darshan, it says, Kalaposhit Yad Nosnim, that whoever opens their hands, um, you should give to them. So that's a halacha that if a person asks for tzedakah, you don't check to see if they really need it or they don't need it. Anybody opens their hands, that's, that's where there's a min, some minhag to give kids or constantly, or Israel, constantly coming over and ask you for money because you're not supposed to find out if they're rich or poor. So the, the idea also that they darshan is that kalaposhit yad, anybody who opens their hands to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, knows them, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives it. Because Hashem, the, the, the idea of Purim was that Hashem wanted us to be close to Him. We had moved away from Him, and He wanted us close to Him. So He brought Haman upon us to draw us closer to Him. And Purim was the time in which we achieved that closeness. We, were, we recognized HaKadosh Baruch Hu through the story of, of Purim. We were Makabal the Torah in the best way, better than we had done originally at Har Sinai. It was the full, um, full-fledged Kabbalah Satora happened on Purim at this time. So it's a time in which drawing close to Hashem is that, that is the, that's the name of the game. That's what Purim is all about. So as much as perhaps women get a little bit of a, a short shrift when it comes to Purim because, you know, they're, they're so busy with everything, that you know, they don't get to have the quote-unquote good time. But really what Purim is all about, it's about coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, especially through tefillah, especially using the power of tefillah. It's a time in which our tefillahs have a special, there's a special segula for them to be answered. And it's a time in which we can really tap in to getting closer and closer and closer um, to Hashem. And even when you're busy, think about it like this, even while you're busy, Look at Esther, how busy she was. But at the same time, she was doing things, but at the same time, inside, she was trying to say a tefillah, come closer to Hashem. So it's an opportunity and an option that we have also uh, when it comes to Purim, and we should be zochet to utilize Purim in that best way possible 
to draw close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and be Zoha to a time where we'll be able to see Nisim by Yom Just like by Yom we should be able to see them as Manazah.